everyone. Welcome back to the Flying Lion Podcast. We're here tonight with a bunch of energy, Sam. We're pumped. FC Cincinnati is moving on in the MLS Cup playoffs. How are we feeling tonight, Sam? Yeah, feeling good, feeling good. We're out of the first round. Another playoff dub in our history. Um, it feels really good, especially against a team that we've done it again, uh, against, you know, again. So feels really, really good. Um, can't wait to to kind of go over the game because there's so much within this game and coming after this game. And it, it's just, there's a lot going on. So we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack. You are not wrong. There's so many storylines, so many things that happened during the game, before the game, after the game technically too. And we'll kind of get to that as well. But it's crazy, man. I You had just said we're through the first round, but I'm thinking we've already played two games. Like in other years, you know, we'd be two rounds in and going into a third round right before MLS Cup Finals. Um, so it's crazy, you know, where we sit right now. We won those games. That's all that matters, like you mentioned, against a, a new forming rival, you know, in New York Red Bulls. I think this was kind of building all throughout the year, but um yeah, I'm just happy that we ended up winning this game. I was so freaked out. I think I lost some years off my life. Yeah, um, touching on that that playoff format, love love it, right? We absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the energy towards that the end of the game was just. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat. I I couldn't really like you couldn't predict what was going to happen next and then you know everything unfolds and we we get the dub so if you want to kind of lead into it we can get right into it yeah absolutely I mean lineup wise um kind of as we talked about on the last podcast um no major surprises you know I'm very happy to see Santiago Arias starting back on on right back um other than that the lineup's the same except you know we we do see Baji up top Um, unfortunately he goes out with an injury in the first half. Um, so our speaking on him is a little bit limited, but at least going into it, you know, I'm happy to see him in there in a physical matchup against Red Bulls in the style that they play. You need a big, big bodied striker up there to kind of battle with those guys. And I was happy to see Baji. I love that Pat sticks with the same lineup, same formations throughout all of this. They're familiar with it. Why change up what's been working all year? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a great lineup as well. Uh, I'm solid all the way through. Once again, you know, for me, Arias being back is also huge um, on that right hand side to kind of solidify that that spot. Um, but once again, you know, Baji being up top is definitely the right move over Santos. Um, and then I, I really, to your point, with Pat really kind of sticking with his guns and and going with the same thing that that's been working is having Bupenza, you know, kind of come off the bench. Right. right. And he's really seemed to make a difference coming off the bench more than starting. Um, so it, it turned out to, to work eventually <laughs> um, coming off the bench, kind of, like you said, Baji, you know, coming off with an injury. Um, we can kind of get into that because I, I mean, personally, I didn't see anything worth noting the first 25 minutes of the game yeah no um, not really huge chances or anything the the one chance that i would like to point out the reason i say 25 minutes in is because i think the first chance that we really did have was Baji's chance mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember who remember who kind of gave him the ball but he has a chance to go near post and it's not really much of a chance though he didn't have much of a <laughs> chance to bring it down settle it or anything it was just Hey, let's let's put off a shot because nobody was in the middle. There wasn't any really anything sure. else he could do with it. Yeah, for Red Bulls playing at home, they're trying to feed off the energy of you know five hundred people in the stands. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I the first impression I have is, man, this place is empty. You know, there's no one in this stadium for this game. And typical Red Bull fashion, like it's funny, Sam. And I'm gonna shout out your dad on this because we're watching the game and your dad in his background of the the camera work and whatnot goes, man, they're going to do some tight camera work tonight. You know, they're really going to feed in on the, the five supporters that they have. And he was right. I mean, even early on, like it was very, very small frames. You see the Red Bull fans, you don't get the wide shots because they're trying to hide the fact that no one was there, but 
I was going to say just in the first 20, 25 minutes, you're a team that's playing a game down. You have to come out with a lot of energy and they, they did push more in their fashion. Like they pressed more. Um, we were still trying to kind of find our footing, I think in a lot of that period, but you're right. I mean, we create one chance, like I've always said, creating half chances, you gotta be able to finish on them, especially as a striker. And, um, you know, we don't end up doing that, but, um, yeah, Sam, I didn't really see much when he goes down. I think what scares you in that sense is like a non-contact injury where he is down. And at first you're like, all right, man, like get up. You know, we've seen Baji play through a lot of stuff, but he's also been out of a lot of games in the past two years. From my memory, you know, he's been out for four or five week stretches uh, in the past two years. So that kind of worries me longevity wise. Um, but yeah, non-contact injury goes down. You see Bupenza put his jersey on and you're like, oh no, here we go. You know, this can't be any worse. Uh, and then it does get worse, but um, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I think b- before we we touch on you know their goal, I want I want to mm-hmm. touch on after Baji's injury, we actually yeah. show some life before right. you know that the end of half there, that thirty seventh minute, I believe, Vasquez has a phenomenal chance, and it, his header is right at the keeper. He's got to do better to, with. To that. be honest, I I think, well, I, I think it's a better save than it is a finish. To be oh, fair, I thought right that was a phenomenal save by the goalkeeper. Right at him, I know, but I, I just thought it was a really good save. Um, Vasquez obviously could have put it in the corners a little bit better because um, he he was he got up there and he he was the he he wasn't contested uh, is what I'm trying to get to and sure I, I think that ah, that would have been a huge goal for Vasquez would have helped out his confidence mm-hmm. not only for the game but for the you know the rest of the the playoffs here. Um, yeah, that was that was a huge chance. I think that's a goal that, like, I mean, you mentioned, if he's in a good run of form, he puts it in. And from our team, like, from what I can remember, we haven't had a headed goal in a minute. <laughs> like, it's been a little bit. Luchos. Luchos, yeah. I mean, and even that was a weird one. It wasn't like a set piece type one. So, I mean, you're right. I feel like he should have done better, but maybe there's like a point blank save. The guy just makes a reaction. Um you got to score in those opportunities on the road, especially though, you know, oh, yeah. putting that and early on, like we've said is like scoring early. So then you don't have to get into the antics of Red Bulls, you know? So leading to that 41st minute, um, Mascara is going to play a ball to clear it out. He goes to clear it, brings his leg up and um, Barlow for New York goes in with a studs up challenge on kind of his upper ankle. And I mean, originally like it's, it happened so fast and I hate to say this, but mascara goes down fairly easily. Sometimes when there's little contact, they show replays though. And it's a high challenge, Sam. I mean, it's on his ankle studs up. It's late too. Um, that's a pretty reckless challenge in my opinion. At least you got to go to a review on that one. Yeah, I I thought I mean I'm I'm thinking the same thing like uh, it, it's as a referee it's tough cuz it's a playoff game, right? right? So you don't you don't want to give a red card to somebody and have it affect the game and then as a referee you just, you know, control the game, right? Sure. It's your game at that point. Um so could it have been a red card probably? Um, in a regular season game or, or any game that didn't have the impact of a, a playoff game or an elimination game for Red Bulls. Right. Um, I, I think there was a, a challenge later on in the game as well on Mascara where he literally took his sock off and was yeah. showing him like, hey, this is where he got me. Like the cleat got me in the ankle. So multiple right. times in the game where Mascara usually, like you said, he, he kind of goes down a little easy a lot of times, <laughs> but looks like multiple times within the game, though, Red Bulls are trying to send a message to him, taking out his ankles. So, um, yeah. yeah, Barlow stays in the game, though. Yeah, he stays in the game, and it's like, okay, you're already upset the fact that he only gets a yellow. And then to make things worse, um, 45th minute, you're thinking, all right, let's just get to halftime. You know, let's just keep it scoreless the way this has been going. Um, and Sam, like they come down the right side, they have a ball that they, I think, try to shoot and it gets deflected 
around to the left side of the goal, around the six yard box. And I think Mascara tries to slide in to try to cover on a block. Did you see that as a part of the play? So the the goal that, that you're talking about, yeah. um, I think he may have. I'm From my perspective, it, it all started with Murphy not clearing it. That's where it started That's for true. me. So yeah, if Murphy right. clears that and he's fine, then that, that goal doesn't happen. Um, I think OB got a, a foot on it, so mm-hmm. he wasn't able to fully clear it, which once again, he's kind of drawing back more to- towards the goal. So right. I'll, I'll, I'll ease up on, <laughs> you know, the pressure on him a little bit, but as far as Murphy not clearing it, I, I thought Murphy played a phenomenal game. I, I believe he led the team in tackles with five, led the team with inner uh, in interceptions with two. So like he played a, a phenomenal game in the back. Mm-hmm. And then once again, it's just one mistake that it takes for, to you to kind of impact the game in a negative way. Yep. And Red Bulls scores off of a bunch of deflections and Barlow's right there yeah. in front of the goal. And I'll give a, a credit to Celentano though. He, he you got a hand or a leg a on 1v1 right? save um, yeah. point blank range. Right. Yeah. I mean, he at least gets an effort on it um, because it, frankly, it's a shot right on the goalkeeper without anyone around him, essentially. Yeah. Um, I don't know where Arias is on that play. I'll have to go back and look. I think he either gets pinched in too much into the middle to try to guide or to block the guy that's shooting uh, or he's caught up a little bit higher, but I think mascara is left to try to make amends of what's going on there. Um, maybe yeah. Aria should get himself in a better position on that play, but it's a bouncing ball. Those can kind of go either ways, but I, I think you're exactly right on the clearance and just getting that ball out of there, you know, at that point, just clear it out. Um, so yeah, Barlow scores. We're kind of upset at that point that, this guy should be off the field, Sam. I mean, everyone was calling for it all over social media. It's like, how are you going to let this guy stay on after that? And then he scores in that fashion. And it's kind of interesting that there's other games in the MLS playoffs um, where a similar thing happens um, and it kind of affects the game, like maybe in a different way. But I don't know if you saw Vancouver's game yesterday. Um, that was crazy. The ref gets in the way and blocks yeah. the player from getting the ball, which creates a goal chance um you know for lafc but yeah it, it was just crazy we go into half down um 1-0 which at that point you're thinking okay man we gotta crawl out again but in this second half of the year how many times have we come back from those situations i mean i was times. upset and i was times. stressed but pat's always found a solution on creating an opportunity and i don't know if it's necessarily pat but Eventually what happens is just Lucho magic with Pupenza. Um, but it's just incredible. I, w- I wish I had a stat on how many times in the second half of the year we've come back. I mean, it's been a lot, Sam. We've been playing behind way more than I feel comfortable with. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And that was the the key thing going into the playoffs that I didn't want to see. I didn't want to see us going down and having to come all the way back from you know, multiple goal deficits at this point, only one goal. So not, not terrible, but, right. you know, once again, just not a position that we want to be, especially as the one seed um, in this, you know, playoffs, but going into the second half, we did have some chances. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest chance coming out of half didn't come until 15 minutes after halftime for me personally, 60th minute, you have kind of, a jumble of the ball a little bit and it falls to Obi and Obi plays a phenomenal ball to Bupenzu who has a clear goal scoring opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He'll have a similar chance to this later in the game. And he he just takes too much time on the ball. And once again, we've seen it a million times where he can't get it from out from under him to get a shot off in time. Defender catches up to him and deflects the shot away. You think he learned from that situation though, the kind of, Later in the what game, what happens yeah, later absolutely. in the game, like, <laughs> I mean, he definitely makes up for it. But you're right. I think him, both strikers get the ball caught under their feet way too much. Like they, it's they crazy need to work on that first touch. Yeah, it, it's nuts. And I hate to keep harping on this, but like going back to this whole Brandon Vasquez situation is like how many times in the last three or four podcasts have we even? called out Brandon Vasquez at all for doing anything positive for the team. 
you know, I hate to say it, but he hasn't really done much. Um, I, I would just need to see more from him, especially in these big moments. Yeah, I think he, I don't want to say he makes up for what he, you know, hasn't done, um, mm-hmm. but he, he helps out. Um, the, the chance after that, funnily enough, is actually 15 minutes after that. <laughs> and Vasquez actually, in my mind, it, it starts all with him. So I'm going to give him a, actually some credit here. He actually, the, the Red Bulls has a free kick, 74th minute. Vasquez jumps in front of the Red Bulls free kick. Extremely smart play. He's for, for I guess, further enough away to where it's not, you know, the referee doesn't have a problem with it, right? right? Jumps, deflects it. It goes straight to Lucho. Or I guess, no, it goes B- to Bupenza or Lucho. Bupenza holds it yeah, up. Bupenza, yep. Bupenza holds it up, drops a defender, passes it to Lucho. Lucho back heels it. Defender. Back heels yeah, the ball. Yeah, back heels to it to Lucho. That was Lucho. twice he back heeled it yeah. <laughs> in this game to, to Lucho. But uh, back heels it to Lucho. Lucho drops a guy, and then Lucho uh, passes nice little pass to him, gives him some time. And Bupenza this time doesn't waste any time. And he actually fires the shot into the bottom right-hand corner, tying up the game. I, I just thought that was a great sequence and a phenomenal finish. You know what's underrated in the sequence? Um, I'm thinking about, like, timing of, like, what I would have done if I was Bupenza. You know, like, as a former striker, hold the ball up, play it to your other guy next to you, spin around and make a run. He overlaps him well, sets himself up on his left foot. He has kind of a questionable touch around the goal to set himself up on his left foot, but an underrated part of this is how close the ball is to his foot for him to shoot it. I don't think the goalkeeper expected him to hit it when he did. Instead of a full stride with a shot, he does a little half stride. He kind of does a close touch and then whips it into the corner past the keeper, which honestly would throw me off timing-wise. Um, and I thought his... I don't, I don't think... It was caught under his on his under his body, yeah. like too close, in my opinion. But he puts it away, and I'm I'm not mad about it at all. But I don't I don't, know if I don't think felt the, that the way. ball I don't think the ball expected it either because he almost hits the post and it doesn't go in. Like I, that's true. You know, it, it's it's got spin on it because once again he has to take that shot too too early, right? Yeah. And it he's got too much spin on it, and almost hits the post and doesn't go in. But luckily, it kind of. Hits the inside netting, almost inside of the post there. Um, and, inch and perfect. In, so, yeah. Like, inch perfect, though. I mean, like, I don't know if he meant to do that on that little, like, half touch with it, but unbelievable. I was just waiting for a backflip. I wanted to see the backflip. We've seen it once this year, I think. We haven't. His his Bupenza backflip count, I think, is is standing at one. Um, nice little uh, Bupenza tumble, though. We got a tumble. They're gonna tumble, yeah. And then all the, yeah. the players come over. I mean, it's cool to see that it means so much to him because of all this stuff that we've seen about him with the team and kind of the question about if he apologized to the team or not after this international break. Um, kind of like <laughs> he's funny, man. He'll he'll really destroy any narratives you kind of set out. Um, you know, winning the supporter shield essentially with his goal you know, bringing us back into this game with this one, like the dude's finding an act to score and like, maybe the numbers aren't showing it or maybe the, I guess maybe the numbers are showing it, I should say, but on the field, it doesn't always look pretty. Um, but Hey, I mean, I'm not yep. mad about it. I'm, I'm loving to see that at least his teammates are coming over. Lucho's coming over to him and like, so pumped about it. Sam, I wanted to kind of um, touch on Lucho's assist on this goal. Um, plays imperfectly for a left-footed shot, you know, but he's contributed now four uh, of six goals in our playoff history. So contributions with two goals and two assists now in the six goals in the playoffs over the past two seasons. So again, just vital player for comeback, for killing a game off. I mean, he ends up making a penalty later on too. So um, he can do no no wrong right now (laughs) in my eyes. Yeah, no, no kidding. He's, I mean, he's showing up. He's the MVP for a reason. Um, yeah, no kidding. Scoring and assisting. Um, he, he definitely showed up. But, but in this uh, 90th minute, going 
going into the 90th minute, we were one, one, right. Mm-hmm. And we have two crucial chances during this 90 90th minute. First one is what I mentioned earlier is the second Bupenza back heel to Lucho. And this time Lucho hits a wide open Barreal on the left-hand side who I think this was kind of a theme. It was like nobody could get the ball out from under their feet. <laughs> and it looked like Barreal kind of rushed his shot, yeah. tried to put it near post. Pretty decent save by the goalkeeper. Um, unfortunately, when you do slow it down and, and you go back and watch the highlights, there you could make a case that Vasquez was wide open there on That's true. That, that back post. Um could have been a nice little low cross over to him but does his shot that forces the save though create the corner kick yeah i think it does right so yeah the second i guess moment sam is referring to um is a very controversial (laughs) one like i mean emotions are flying at that point you're tied one to one you likely are going to go to pks because of the mos rules um at least for this best of three series Lucho comes over, takes this corner, puts it on a dime, like right where he needed to. Um, I felt like my initial reaction is I didn't even see like what happens with it. And all of a sudden our players are running towards the corner. Um, they go back and show replay. A couple things that you notice with it is Santos like on or next to the keeper. Um, the second part is the ball bouncing up and potentially hitting his arm. But is it like already across the line at that point? Um, is he getting held by the keeper trying to make a play at the ball? There's a lot that's going on. Mascara's right there too. Um, so initially, Sam, on the field, it looks like the main center referee points back to the spot to say, hey, this is a goal. Um, and I love Lucha's energy going over to the corner once we score and yelling at some of the fans like, I'm not going to say it on here, but he he said some things to those fans. Yeah, hold your ears, were, kids. Hold your ears. Hold your ears there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they were <laughs> obviously saying stuff to them, and they go over to the corner to celebrate. Um, they think it's a goal. And then out of, like, nowhere, I mean, I think even the Apple broadcast comes up with goal FC Cincinnati. You're thinking, man, 90th minute, we scored, we won, we're on to the next Electric. round. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, no goal. And like, there's no VAR that is mentioned. Um, They don't really like say anything. They're like, Oh, I guess it's this like essentially don't they, I'm pretty sure the broadcast says like, Oh, there must've been, you know, a handball called like they're kind of unsure too. So they, they finally, the broadcast finally got an official ruling on it. And so that's, that was my, like when I was texting, you know, you, I was texting a couple other people. They were like, oh, like there was a confusion on whether or not it was a foul or a handball right, or anything right. like that. They officially called it a foul on the goalkeeper. So wow. there was some contact there. But Cornell, to be honest with you, if you go back and you watch slow-mo, which once again, if you had VAR, <laughs> you'd be able to do. Right. He sold it pretty well, throwing himself into the back of the net. So, yeah. Do with well, that and they call will. it a goal on the field, which later, you yeah. know, some of our, you know, uh, reporters, I think it was Pat Brennan that actually asked the question, you know, hey, what was the official ruling on this? And MOS says, you know, on the field, it was confirmed that it was a foul. Correct, I think. Right. And then like. It was like a review or something to overturn it, I believe, is that what had happened or they, I guess, didn't rule that he points. Yeah, it, the spot. it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, I, like, I think I heard the same thing is a total um, lie because he does point to the spot. And I mean, at that point you have to go and do a formalized review. If it's, if you called it a goal on the field, like you have to overturn that if you have evidence of a foul or something. Um, so they just basically like changed their narrative to make it make sense, but it was still super confusing, um, which I don't think a lot of people yeah, are well, super, super confusing. Moment. What'd you say? No. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think a lot of people are looking at what happens next um, because they kick the ball off and he blows the whistle and we're going to PKs. But if you look at what happens right in that moment, all of our players crowd around the ref and are asking like, what's going on? Like they want clarification. Like you just called a goal. We're all celebrating. You didn't review anything. So 
were you pointing to say there's a foul? Like were you were legitimately asking for clarification and Matt Miazga gets his yellow card. That's when he gets his yeah. first yellow. And it's yeah, in that after, moment after of, the final whistle. In ninth, that moment of trying to ask for a ninth minute of extra time. Yeah. In the moment of I'm trying to get clarification to what you called. That's when they give him the yell, which I mean, Matt was talking the whole game and was, I mean, all over him. And I guess if he's crowding you, but they're all there, like why him of yeah. all of them? But to me, it's like, how are you going to say you're going to give him a card for that because they wanted clarification on what the call was made on the field? I mean, that's ridiculous. And if it wasn't formally given to Lucho uh, or he didn't understand it, then Matt's the next person that wants to know. So, you know, then we go into PKs and I, I think I was just frustrated because like I thought we had won it and everything kind of pointed to that. Um, so I'm feeling kind of uneasy. And Sam, I don't know how you feel about Roman and goal for PKs. Um, he he really hasn't had a lot of experience this year in the in those situations. No, Roman's Roman's not your guy to to pick if you're going into PKs. Um great, great keeper. Young keeper, not your guy for PKs. Yeah, unfortunately. And so we, we get into it, and PKs start out pretty well. Um, Lucho buries it right away, and I'm feeling good about that. Kubo has a good one as well. Um, but to me, what stands out more is like how ridiculously bad Roman was at guessing. Like it was almost like he would delay his guess and then jump. Instead yeah, of well, after the first one, after the first one, yeah, it got bad. The first one was the best. First one, one was the best. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but the after rest that, of them it's were, like yeah. you just got to guess. And I mean, you see the New York guy does it and he gets close on like Santos's one where he actually gets a hand on it and, you know, it ends up going in luckily for us. But he's got to be better at just guessing aside and going for it. Like you can't delay in your response to that. I, I, I didn't appreciate that Arias has probably, arguably, the most veteran leadership and experience yeah. out of anybody on this team and should know big games because he's played in Europe for I don't know how many years. Right. And the guy has the worst penalty out of anybody on FC Cincinnati's team. Yeah. I want to give like more credit to Arias because at that point he's playing through like a questionable – foul in the second half, which I, I, we didn't really touch on, but I want to just make a quick point to the fact that this guy hits Arias and he does like a flip on the field. And it is true. That's I don't think point. the guy gets a card on that. And it's just a ridiculously dangerous play. So Arias is kind of shook up from that. That's again, no excuse for just kicking the ball and having a terrible PK, but I mean, maybe that plays into it, Sam. I don't know. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, so yeah, Arias is our first guy to miss. Um, I mean, at that point, Roman doesn't look good. Their keeper looks pretty decent. Um, and it, it all comes down to John Tolkien, you know, the, the guy with the terrible, terrible haircut in this game. Did you see his hair? Yeah. He, yeah. It, <laughs> it's, it's like, a, it's, it's New York, right? He's expressing himself. Cut, like, I don't even know, man. A tight fade, but like it was, it was really bad. And of course, it's him. You're thinking like, all right, this guy's gonna finish it, right? This clutch player that they were, you know, making him out to be, and he just bangs the post, just completely hits the post. Which a lot of times it can bounce anywhere. I'm so happy it just bounced right back at him. <laughs> Stellantano's best friend is the post. I mean, if you if you recall what happened in the Inter Miami game, it's true. Same things. Stellantano's best friend during these you know, insane moments are like, is, is the post in the woodwork? Like it, it helps yeah. him out like no other. But after, after that, you see Miazga make his directly after that Miazga mm -hmm. makes his, he starts blowing kisses, starts clapping at the Red Bulls fans and he earns himself another yellow card, which yeah. in the moment it, it I'm thinking, what, what like, what are you doing? Like, I know you're, maybe trying to be genuine and say like all love like don't hate on me like not the right time i'm from here you know i used to play for you guys like don't hate me but like you're right why why in that moment go over to them and stay in the box like once you kick it don't chirp just go back to yeah. your spot 
you know, and he's got to be better. He's yeah, got to be a better leader about that. Then you have Yerson that gets his saved. And then now we're down again and we're like, oh, geez, here we go. Like, oh, I was, was going to make a save. Shambles. And then Red Bull's 18-year-old kid, biggest moment in his career so far, skies yeah. it over the bar. I honestly, I felt bad for him. I really did. Because the kid's got a lot of promise. Literally yeah. just came back to the squad after not playing for almost the full season. Mm-hmm. And does that but then you got moreno who puts it away phenomenal um and very poised to PK, cap it off by the way pretty dang good pretty <laughs> dang good and then to cap it off you got celentano finally saves a pk and he saves it doing two celebrations the jordan shrug <laughs> and then the all ear celebration <laughs> i i love that he transitioned in, into two um yeah. and then there was just pandemonium right yeah um We'll get in. I want to talk about it on the second part of the pod here, um, touching on the celebration part of things, because there's a big point of contention about that. So, you know, stay tuned in the second half of the episode. We'll kind of walk through our thoughts on that. Um, but for me, I mean, I was in shambles, Sam, just like going through all the emotions of we're going to lose this two different times. And then Roman makes the save. I mean, I audibly let out a gasp. Like we were at um, Aces pickleball, shout out Aces pickleball and Norwood, you know, playing there, but we all stopped to watch everyone in the building was watching and everyone was going crazy. So just a cool atmosphere. I I saw a lot of videos of people at different bars. Molly Malone was going crazy too. So everyone was pumped, but just definitely went through a roller coaster of emotions. Um, but like I said, we'll we'll yeah. kind of touch on our instant reactions on that in the second half of the pod. Yeah. So to to kind of transition, we'll do a, a trivia of the week, and then we'll we'll cut to a break here. But um, trivia of the week, Ryan is going to be FC Cincinnati has played the Red Bulls the most most out of any MLS team in their history now. And I want to know if you know how many times has FC Cincinnati played the Red Bulls and then you'll get bonus point bonus points for if you can tell me what the record is. Does USL count or only in the MLS? Only MLS. Only in the MLS. We played them 5 times this year. I want to say 10 times. That we've played them. Ten times. He's locking it in. We're going <laughs> ten. And we'll see what the answer is after the break. So Agility is a technology-driven soccer training facility. So we offer six facets of training. Uh, that would be Tech Touch uh, with ball launchers that work on your first touch. The TSZ, uh, which is the ESA equipment and working on decision-making. We also have a circuit. Uh, circuit training would be taking the ESA equipment to the next level. It's kind of like a soccer obstacle course. Then we offer neuroscience training with our reflection tools, uh, working on processing things a little bit faster and eye coordination and such. Uh, We offer skills classes, which is your typical core skills training. Um, Lots of people still enjoy that. So we work on a lot of attacking 1v1 skills. And then we also offer athlete development. So our athletes come here and they work on speed, agility, uh, quickness, explosive movements, Really just learning how to move and function a little bit better as an athlete. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening to our sponsor. Sam, I wanted to kind of, again, (laughs) circle around back to this ending of this game because, frankly, like, it was kind of ridiculous, in my opinion, how the PKs even ended up uh, down on the supporter side for Red Bulls. Like, I don't know if you saw this or not, but... Instead of having a, a coin flip for which side, uh, you you hear the MLS, uh, the ref for this game says, oh, the MLS decided that we're going to be down on the Red Bull supporter side. Like, don't get mad at me. And Lucha's like, what the heck? Like, why was this not, like, told to me? It, it almost seemed like to me like they weren't told about it. Um, so I, I was a little upset about that and looking back at that part of things. And then with how things transpired, you know, we ended up winning. We're celebrating down on that side our players kind of embellish a little bit and are, you know, yelling, screaming, making gestures towards the fans and subsequently get stuff thrown at them, which I mean, Pat Noonan is right. Like if you celebrate that way, like get expected, you know, to have stuff thrown at you. Um, So I I don't know how I feel about that. I'm kind of back and forth. It's never good to throw anything at the players, 
but sometimes the way that you go about winning in those scenarios, like, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it's, it's stupid. I, I think the Red Bulls fans throwing things at our players. I don't, I don't think it's, it's cool. I think as fans, right. Even if it was fan to fan, you have to show some class, right. There, there comes to a point where any, like if somebody wants to celebrate at however they want, they can celebrate however they want because they want like, right. That's that's the reason they're able to do that. If you were to celebrate, you could celebrate however you want. If you have a problem with it, win. Like that's <laughs> that's the easiest cure right sure. there is to just win. <laughs> I mean, don't get mad at FC Cincinnati for celebrating the way they wanted to celebrate. And to be fair, you've been giving them crap the whole season and th- they were sick of it and they wanted to see you go, see you leave, bye, no more season for you. And that's how they reacted. So I'm not I'm not mad at FC for reacting in the way they did. Um, I don't think anybody, any actions weren't anything as far as, oh, well, they celebrated this way, so we got to throw stuff at them. That's not how that works. So You know what's um, crazy to me, though, Sam? Like, it's a huge market like New York is, and, like, the tension could be said, like, that it's a bigger, like, network. And I, I don't know what I'm, I guess, getting at here is just that, like if it was in front of the Bailey that they were to celebrate if they beat us in PKs and we throw things like that makes news around the world. But, you know, New York Red Bulls fans throw stuff at us and, you know, our local Cincinnati guy gets a video of it. Somebody in the New York section gets a video of it and you get like some reaction, but like not a ton. Um, it, it just seems like there's a double standard on, on this and, I, I just think it's kind of ridiculous in my opinion, but. Well, I, I think part of it is the two cities like New York being bigger than Cincinnati. I think it, nobody wants to show David beating Goliath. Right. right? I think that's, that has to hand, that has a hand in it because yeah. to your point, if New York Red Bulls were to win, they'd be showing it a lot more often. Whereas FC Cincinnati wins and there's hardly any supporters there and they don't really want to show that as well as David beats the Goliath, right? So city against city, not necessarily team against team, that has something to do with it as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, All in all, though, I mean, that was our 11th match that we've ever had at Red Bulls Arena. And I can't remember like the last time we lost there, maybe a couple of years ago, but We've done pretty well. I mean, the next highest place we played at is Atlanta. Um, go ahead. Well, to, to answer your question, FC Cincinnati is unbeaten against the Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena. Oh wow! Since March first, twenty twenty. Dang, that's impressive. I mean, to keep winning in a half-filled stadium, I guess. Right. Um, <laughs> shout out to uh, our supporters. I mean, Auxilla One, the supporters group based out in New York, showed up. Uh, they were loud. Um, I could hear them a little bit on the on the TV broadcast, but um, at the end of the game, you know, the players go over and celebrate in that kind of direction to celebrate with them, which was cool. Um, Sam, this was kind of a cool stat that I saw. FC Cincinnati is now tied for third in the MLS, um, I guess, history of all time for most uh, wins in a single season, including all competitions with. 26 wins now i believe uh in a single season and the highest is 29 so if we get you know a couple more wins here we could tie the record for most wins in a in a season just like all competitions or all comps yeah so including like you know i think open cup and i don't know if leagues cup counted towards that i think it might have as well but it's pretty impressive. I mean, for all the games we've had, I think 44 in total because Barrios played in every single game. Another fun fact, he's been in every single game this year. Incredible. Mm-hmm. But um, what a stat, though. I mean, that's over half your games that we've won and I think tied like a decent amount, too. So that's just impressive. Um, and I think this is the first time that Romans actually won a PK shootout, too. I believe so as well. I believe so as well. Um, that's a, a great transition for my Jersey swap of the week being Celentano. 
Um, he had some crucial saves in this game, um, two saves on three shots on target, and then saved that last PK at the end of the game. I think me for me personally, he strictly gets my jersey swap for the celebrations at the end. I mean, <laughs> if it weren't for those celebrations, I don't know if he's getting it. But since he pulled out the shrug, pulls out the all ear celebration, really gives it to the Red Bulls fans, he gets my jersey swap of the week for sure. Oh, I love that. I would love a, a keeper kit from FC. I don't have one of those yet, so that would be pretty cool. I think you want that. You want swap. you want a black one. You you seem to want a black FC kit. So that would be cool. If we could get a black keeper kit for for Ryan. Anybody out there, you know, just send it. Christmas send it our is way. coming up, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Great Who shout for jersey? jersey swap. Um, I I real quickly just wanted to say I don't know yeah. how you feel about a substitution at the end of the game to put Cannon for Celentano in the future. I, I I think I think we do that if our our butts are on the line. Right? Our butts yeah. were not on the line for this game. We didn't have to win this game. Right. If we had to win a game, I'd definitely choose Khan. But I, I think this helps Celentano. I, I think all in it's all, true. leaving him in there, he wins the PKs. Now, does he get some help from the post? Yes, he does. <laughs> but he wins the PKs for us. I think it gives him a little bit more confidence and a little bit more to work on with PKs. The only way to get better at PKs is to do them more, right? Is to see that, be in that yeah. scenario. So I think all in all, I, I think this scenario was perfect for Celentano. However, for something like the next round where it's single elimination, I, I'd like to probably go to Khan because he has done that for us this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you said like a, a must win game. Um, for me, I didn't want to go back home and play a third game. So like this was kind of our like, but I get your backstop. Well, I don't, like, well, yeah. we would have had a third. I don't game, think anybody. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody wanted to go back home and play no, a third game. No. I'm just saying that, mm -hmm. you know, it was the option, right? So we That's didn't true. have to win it. But yeah. that's all I'm saying. I, I wanted to win this game. I want to win every game. I want to sweep the playoffs. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, my my jersey swap was uh, Bupenza. Um, for coming into the game in the 35th minute, I mean, you're not really prepared to play at that moment. You had been used to coming in in the second half. Um, but you have to be prepared. You As a striker, you always have to be ready to score and be in that mindset to score. So, for him to come in, um, and as you alluded to in the first part of the, of the pod, I mean, he had another chance um, and doesn't quite get it right, but he makes amends for that. And for me, you know, that's what I want to see is the growth um, of, you know, him playing with our other players now. I think this is now his sixth school um, in, uh, in all comps, although I don't think he played in any of the tournament games. So sixth goal, though, in the MLS in a shorter amount of time, his put in some awesome goals for us in big moments. Um, again, going back to supporter shield, going to this game too. Uh, I believe he does make his penalty kick as well. Um, so, you know, good to see and probably builds confidence too going forward. And to be honest with you, we're going to have to probably rely on him a little bit more. So being the way that this game ended, you know, I'm happy with, Hopefully where Bupens is at, but hey, guess what, Sam? There's an international break coming up, so who knows if we'll get him back in a proper amount of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll <laughs> touch on that. But um, as far as Bupenza, um, yeah, to your, to your point, I think the biggest thing that stands out for me is the fact that he – it took him a while. So the second half he scores the goal, but coming on in, in that – 30 33rd minute some mm -hmm. some around there 35th for Baji, yeah, yeah tr having to bring the energy and he was a part of multiple chances um and once again he, he kind of just needs a little bit of being on the field getting accustomed to the movement of what's going on to be able to contribute but um yeah i thought he played a phenomenal game and once again we're not on to the next round of the playoffs um, possibly without his goal right there. So um, shout out to Bupenza. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just hope to see that like we create more chances now, like moving forward with Vasquez and Boop as a partnership. Um, 
I don't know how long we're going to see this partnership last because of the future, but that's down the road, Sam. We're still in the playoffs. We still got some games to win. Um, kind of on the flip side, though, I, I'm curious to hear your your cards of the week or card. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> card of the week is going to be Miazga's double yellows. Um, so, he, first of all, he, he's the captain of our back line, and he's a vocal leader of the team. He, he's got to know better. He's got to be better than that. I said, you know, I understand he, he's fired up, because he's playing his former team. Um, but I'm more upset on the, the first yellow. I really am. I'm more upset mm-hmm. on the first yellow than the second. The first 90 was done. He, you know, they blew the whistle onto PKs. You got to be a leader there and get your guys ready for the, the bigger moment. You got to move on. You really do. Um, to your point, yeah, they need an explanation, but you, you got to be better than that. That's for the coach to kind of argue with the fourth ref, uh, fourth official there. His second yellow, pretty laughable. Um, still, you know, the intent is is to taunt. Um, you know, he made the PK, so he showed him up. You, you got to show him up with your play. Like, that's – you made the PK. Show him up with that. Um, but back to it being a double yellow, though, cautions received during a shootout do not apply towards, um, you know, the match. So Miazga was not shown a red card. That's why. However – because of his yellow during the first match, he picks up three yellow cards and that's why he's suspended for the next game. So the second round nation, we're already down a center back. We can't, we can't do this. Miaska. He's got to be better, man. I a hundred percent agree with everything you said. Um, especially as the potential MLS defender of the year. Yeah. And you're like going to go out in that fashion, potentially like, you know, I think we'll probably appeal it and we'll see how that goes. I've not really seen appeals work in those situations, but why put yourself even in that scenario? You know, it's almost like Sam, if you're in the fourth quarter, you know, and uh, <laughs> you're going down the field and you don't have a timeout or uh, in basketball, you run out of timeouts and you try to call one and then you get a technical, you know, it's the same idea. It's like, come on, dude, know where you're at, you know, know the situation. Yeah. Um, situational awareness like that he's got to understand like playing in so many different league settings like maybe he's not used to a tournament style because of these crazy rules and stuff but still if you're gonna play the game and play for our team and in this scenario and in these playoffs understand the rules understand like you can't be making dumb plays like that and I think he just loses his head and like is that a failure of Lucho to like push him out of the way, you know, at, in the 90th minute, I almost want Lucho to be the one that talks to the ref and to say, look, I know you're already on a card. Like, let me talk to him. Let me be the voice and you need to back off. But if you look in the huddles before the game start, Miazka is the ones that is talking to the team. You know, Lucho will say like, vamos, like, let's do it. But like, I think Miazka is the one that like lays into people. So you know, he, he really stands out as a vocal leader and his actions have to show that like you are saying for the entire team. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, but my, my card of the week, I'm going to do a, a yellow card here again, just for no explanation, um, of the VAR at the end of the game. They kind of seem to be making up rules now with the coin toss as well. And if that was a thing beforehand, like, why can't we find a rule about this? And even if it was like, was it explained to the team? I never got an answer of that. So, you know, I would hope that the same would go for, you know, if we were in that scenario, they'd put it at the Bailey, but leagues cup, we get knocked out because it's at the opposite end, right. For PKs. Um, I believe uh, open cup, you know, same thing is on the opposite end. How much of a difference would it have been if it was in front of the Bailey and, they're trying to create like this atmosphere and they have the camera set up around the supporters because frankly, if you do on the other side of the stadium, there's no one there. And to me, that just goes back on the Red Bulls, not having fans. And that's even more of, of another card in itself. So I kind of tied that back into them and their fans, but I, it just seems like there's loss of like any sort of like cohesion in the MLS in the playoffs as to, what is a rule in this scenario? What's not, are we using VAR? Are we not using VAR? You know, like 
there's just a lot of things that I, it just frankly seems to be up in the air. If, if you're the MLS, I, I know this is going to be a very controversial take. If you're the MLS and you have so many problems with trying to figure out how do we do playoffs the right way, do you even have the playoffs? Does it Dude, even that's what matter? we're saying the whole time. This whole, I mean, it seems like a reoccurring theme that like the more and more we move on and get through it, like the more and more loopholes we find or things that like should have been told to us that aren't or like not explained. So does that even make it a valid tournament? The rules have been made this year for it, you know, different than the years in the past. Yeah, Sam, you make a good point. You know, do we just scratch this thing and do a league's no, cup yeah, at the no end other, of the year? No other league, no other league in the world has what we have. Yeah. Why, yeah, we why, could go why change all, what they're doing? We should go all off season on, you know, we have Messi now. You're bringing in all these other international players. They don't know what this tournament style crap is. You know what I mean? They're not used to this. They're like a tournament now de- decides which team wins the league. Like what? <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. strange. It's very strange, and I think in the offseason, that would be a good point of what rules need to be changed um, in the MLS, whether that be financial rules, playoff rules, tournament rules, you know, the amount of games that the players are playing in. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but Sam, our season's not over, man. Um, we got We got another couple games to win, and I'm really pumped about it. It's just my my reaction is a little dulled. We have three weeks now until the next game. So we've made the Eastern Conference um, quarter semifinals, semifinals, semifinals um, against possibly New England or Philadelphia. They still haven't announced the dates of the game yet, uh, but potentially the 25th or the 26th, we're still not sure. It's just kind of ridiculous to me how they don't even have the schedule set. You don't really even know, like how, how do you set it, especially after Thanksgiving, like, and that weekend being so busy, like, there's a lot going the, the on. MLS, People trying to make plans. Like the MLS doesn't even care about their playoffs. That's what it sounds like to me. Like no, that that them not not being oh well maybe it's this date or this date. <laughs> I I don't know. And, and we're gonna take a break because of international break. We're in the middle of the playoffs, but that doesn't really matter. So <laughs> international break. You like go play for your teams when we don't have a World Cup for another three right. years. Right. Like, yeah, it's come bizarre. On. It's a joke. The only, the only thing that I can think of is, you know, New England is still in this technically versus Philly right now. They're down one game. Um, and that game, I believe, is tomorrow night. But if New England ends up coming back and they have a third game and they win, does the game matter if it's Saturday or Sunday if the Patriots are also, you know, in the fold? But now the more I think of it, it's not a it's a not a three game series. It's it would be at our stadium. We already know where it's going to be held. Why can't you decide on what day it's going to be? You know, are they trying to get the market in New England to only focus on you know the soccer game instead of the the football game on Sunday and having both at the same time? I don't know. It's just bizarre. It's super. I think regardless, you pick weird. the Saturday. You pick the Saturday because that's the right thing to do. You know. Nobody wants to watch soccer on a Sunday <laughs> competing like with the NFL. And yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It, in all honesty, nobody wants to watch soccer on a Sunday. I'll, I'll watch it on a Saturday, right? I'm more right. inclined to watch on Saturday than I am Sunday as just a fan of MLS, right? right. Obviously I'm going to be watching whenever I've seen plays, but um, yeah, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And I want to ask you a question though. So, it, with us possibly playing, I know we're going to probably talk about it for the mm-hmm. next week, two weeks, but until we know who we're going to play, who would you rather have? Yeah, I think we'll really dive into this, like you said, in the next couple of weeks. But um, I, I honestly feel like New England's beaten down, like Carlos Gil is like injured and it would be incredible for them to come back. I would love to see New England. Um and especially because we'd only have one game to play and they're used to playing on turf um, and the way that they've lost their coach and stuff like that. I mean, that's the obvious choice, but it's a Philly team that we know we're familiar with, you know, and 
I'm a little scared because of their roster and stuff and the way that they've played and how they beat New England, but look at our track record against them, you know, and you can't argue against that. Um, I honestly, like, I, I just want to, I just want to see the game already, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't want to wait all these <laughs> weeks for it and it could go either way. In my opinion, what about you? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you um, to the point where I could go either one, but if I, if I got to choose one, I mean, I was looking at the results of, you know, from this past regular season and funny enough, new England seemed to kind of have our number this year more than any other team. Yeah. They're the only team that we played twice that we drew against both times. Mm -hmm. I think one was a one, one draw and the the other one was a two, two draw. Right. Whereas with Philly, we drew the first time and won the second time. So, you know, I, I also think Philly, it, I mean, I don't want to stir anything up or if they <laughs> end up winning, I don't want to like help them out. But like a lot of their guys are already leaving. Like they, they've already sure. announced that they're leaving after the end of the season. So yeah. my guess is they would be playing, you know, not as inspired as we would. So maybe that, you know, gives us a favorable matchup. I don't know, but um, I, I definitely think to go back to, to the beginning of the podcast, um, us, after this game having a whole bunch of injuries this random international break turns out unfortunately to be a blessing in disguise it's a blessing for FC yeah. Cincinnati as we still have what three guys that could recover by the time we play next yeah man uh the joke that i've heard is this this break between the games is so long that uh <laughs> Haglin could have surgery and still come back <laughs> 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 no, uh, I mean, three weeks is not enough for, for that, but, um, yeah, I mean, Baji picks up a knock. It sounds muscular, you know, in three weeks, he has a potential in my opinion to be a sub. I think you start Pupenza, um, Baji would be a kind of a question mark in the sense of like how much he would play. And you already have Santos, although I don't trust Santos, but still, you know, you have another backup there, um, I'm interested to see the appeal that happens for Miazga's yellow. That's the other thing I wanted to touch on, but man, Sam Obi getting an injury in the second half, potentially, I think he gets stepped on, um, in about the he 60th, was limping a little bit. 65th yeah. minute. He comes out with a foot injury. I think honestly is more of a precaution than anything from what I've heard is, you know, Hey, they're, we're grinding it down. We have Kubo to bring in and, you lose Obi and you lose your heart and your defense there. But at that point, we're looking for more offense at that point, And you're trying to prepare for possibly a third game even. Um, so three weeks for me and for that situation, I think isn't going to be a problem. Obi always finds a way to get back on the field. Um, and again, I think next week will be a, a good kind of update where we can look at the health of the players. We can talk a little bit more about previews coming up. And even talk about some of the the playoff games that you know we'll see, um, because the I guess the only nice part about these MLS playoffs is how they've spaced them out, where you always have soccer, you know, every single night for I think Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You don't have Thursday, Friday, but at least you have multiple games going. That is the only positive that I've seen, at least out of this first round. <laughs> um, if you're gonna give it so, anything, <laughs> yeah. Overall, man, I'm just happy we're moving on. We took some beatings in terms of players being injured, um, but ultimately, like I think, we'll come out fairly unscathed. Um, it'll be it'll be fun to see us, you know, in a in a semifinal again. Um, you know, we were there last year, and if we play Philly again, use that as a point of like, we've been here. Let's knock them out now. You know, now is our time to do that. Um, so I, I'm excited for that. But Sam, let's uh, let's hear your trivia question and answer. Yeah. So from earlier in the pod, trivia of the week was FC Cincinnati has played the Red Bulls the most out of any MLS team in their history. And I asked Ryan, how many times has FC Cincinnati played Red Bulls? Gave him bonus points for if he could get the record right as well. Um, but how many times has FCC played the Red Bulls? It was 15 games. They played Red Bulls 15 games. The wow. funny reason why I chose this trivia of the week, though, is because in those games, 
we are five, five, and five. Holy crap. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's a rivalry if I've seen it. And maybe these Nashville fans are going to be upset the about this. But, you know, that's more of a rivalry if you play them that many times and it's that equal, um, you know, versus Nashville that's trying to create this rivalry with us. But you can tell there's blood for these two teams against each other. I mean, the heat was on in this game. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, when you when you drink Red Bulls, it all also gives you an L along with the wings. So we're gonna end the show on that, Sam. I love that. <laughs> Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week chatting again about previews coming up hopefully some health of our our fc players and recapping again the playoff games but thanks again for listening we'll see you next week